Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Digital transformation, it's become such a disruptor, hasn't it, in almost every industry. And fintech, of course, is no exception. It is a disruptor and it's constantly being disrupted as well. The introduction of digital tech has made the sector more customer-centric and technologically relevant. In fact, in Singapore, the COVID-19 pandemic acted as a catalyst for fintech adoption, driving demand for digital payment capabilities, virtual banking experiences and BNPL by now pay later arrangements as well. But how can finance and technology be a truly transformative force towards more inclusive financial services? Nicole Valentine joins us. She's FinTech Director of the Centre for Financial Markets at the Milken Institute. Let's find out more. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for joining us. Hi, how are you? Great to be here. I understand you are at the Singapore FinTech Festival today. Yes, I'm at the festival. I took an 18-hour flight from New York and <laughs> okay. it was worth it. And there's so much excitement around FinTech. It's a wonderful industry to be in at this moment in time. Yeah, actually, I'll be attending the festival as well. Going to be moderating a few panel discussions tomorrow too. So it's quite a big event and we'll talk a little bit more about it in just a while. So let's talk about the rapid advancement of tech in the last decade. I mean, fintech has to a great extent enabled the unbanked and or the underbanked in the financial ecosystem today. Talk to us about the impact of these developments as you see it. Fintech has impacted our society in so many ways. I will say in the last 20 years, financial technology has been a catalyst for changes in financial services on the institutional side, as well as on the retail side and customer side. When you mention the unbanked and the underbanked, the unbanked as we define in the U.S. by the FDIC are those people who do not have a savings or checking account. And the underbanked are those that are not involved in the financial system in a way where it's protective of them. They're not working with a traditional bank, maybe working with a payday loan lender. And we want to make sure that as we're making advancements in financial services and products, that more people are a part of the ability to be a part of social and economic mobility. At the Milken Institute, our think tank is focused on those who are vulnerable and society building. We look at the markets, we look at regulation, and we look at the way that markets can be a catalyst for economic prosperity. That's the thing, you know, while encouraging inclusion, we should be wary of going overboard, shouldn't we? I mean, there need to be safeguards in place to prevent the underbanked from being taken advantage of by unethical players. For example, those that are not transparent. And BNPL players, for example, around the world have come under scrutiny recently in this context. In Singapore, regulations have been introduced. But what about elsewhere and in other parts of the industry? I would say, you know, to your point around the role of the regulator and the role of policymakers in this space, it is important to focus on market stability, financial stability, transparency, and building trust in the system. With respect to financial services, when you have people coming into the marketplace, they want to know that they are protected. They are receiving information that is credible and valuable and verifiable transactions are possible on the exchanges in the marketplaces. So we definitely think that across the board, we should be looking at making sure that there are guardrails in the process so that the system works for everyone. I think also it's important for us to think about perfecting systems. At all levels, we should be looking at system-wide 
improvements and making sure we're benchmarking and looking at measuring how consumers are protected and how the innovations are really impacting people's lives. So I understand that one of your areas of interest is financial inclusion, and you also mentioned compliance and transparency. In which areas is the industry falling short here and what needs to be done about this? Well, I would say that, you know, with respect to the new cryptocurrency and the new financial systems that are currently being built as we speak, there's a sense that we need to build responsibly. We need to ensure that there's responsible development and maturity in the market. I do believe that where we may be falling short is there are some bad actors that are out there, and we need to make sure that there's a sense in the industry that FinTech needs to come together and say to itself, who do we want to be? What kind of industry do we want to have? And making sure that there is self-regulation, self-accountability, in addition to being open to the regulation that's going to impact the industry as a whole. Let's talk about exclusion specifically. What are the reasons behind so many people still not being included in this ecosystem? You know, it's interesting. So think about the on-ramps and the onboarding into the system. There's an on-ramp to the system by having a digital device. So being digitized gets you into the digital market space. And so the access to broadband, the access to digital devices, the cost of technology is one way that we can work on making sure that the tool is in your hand to be able to even access these fintech technologies and applications. I also think when we talk about the over a billion people that are not in the system, asking ourselves, where are their opportunities to grow the education and information around what these technologies can provide? And then once on the technology, making sure that the use and the applications are truly um, being leveraged for the advancement of the user. I think we need to always look at, I talk to the fintech industry all the time around, How do you manage your impact and can you gather the data and track the data that you're receiving to research how your fintech impact is really affecting and impacting and mobilizing the end user? The more value that you provide to the end user, the more opportunity we can have to bring the user onto the system and to make it work for them. You said over a billion people are operating on the fringes of the system. What geographical differences do you see? Because I do know of many reports that say that in Asia, in fact, people are most enthusiastic about adopting fintech. I would say, you know, when you look at different markets, emerging markets, I would say you also have to look at how the market is operating at that point. I'll give you an example. There are some societies that are still operating mostly in a cash-based system. Mm. So you have cash-based systems and you have those that are evolving into credit-based systems. Those economies that are focused on cash-based systems and that are not digitizing and programming their money, programming their fintech transactions, you're going to have a different result when it comes to measuring how they're engaged with fintech. I think that's also something to think about. How are you maturing your market and how are you putting digital options in front of your users, your users, your consumers, your merchants and your market? In a nutshell, Nicole, what more can be done to improve financial literacy and inclusion in emerging growing markets? You know, I think we can always do more. I think we need to continue to lead on making sure that there are improvements. I think we should always think about the customer and the end user in our work. And I think we need to look at technology 
and say to ourselves, are we using it for good? Is it a technology that is going to advance and continue to hold ourselves to that standard, create standards within our industry, track the data, and make sure we're leveraging that data and using it so we can do better with the results and outcomes that we're seeking to provide. Now, one of the more controversial issues that has arisen is cryptocurrency. It's under a lot of scrutiny. Singapore, too, has just released proposals for regulations. To what extent do you think this is something that might prevent the emergence of a global decentralized financial system? And when I look at cryptocurrency and I look at it and I analyze it, we look at it from the perspective of, you know, this is programmable money. And this is an opportunity for us to look at new, innovative ways to make transactions with the features of permissionlessness, transparency, peer-to-peer transactions without an intermediary involved. But I will say that to your point, there are issues in the space, and we all need to be really clear-eyed about it and take our rose-colored glasses off and make sure that we are analyzing the use and application And we're regulating and we're making sure that the system works for everyone that is interacting with it. In the United States, one in five Americans have either exchanged, traded, or used crypto. And I do see that growing. But I also see the fact that we need to make sure that when we get to a place where it's two out of five or three out of five or four out of five, that the system is working so that it does not cause issues in the experience of the user. The thing is, the user needs to know what he or she is doing. They need to be really clear-eyed about this. And this brings us back to financial literacy, doesn't it? Who should be responsible for this? I mean, do you expect private players to be responsible, governments to be responsible, schools to be responsible? I think it's a shared responsibility, but I will say that at every level there's a responsibility. I would say the industry is responsible for communicating the material information of their products and services. I'll give you an example. When you have stable coins, as an example, which is a type of cryptocurrency, stable coins providing information around what kind of assets it's backed or pegged to, whether it's a basket of assets or a type of asset, whether it's a dollar or a bond or treasuries. So those are things that, you know, we can have clear understanding on what types of currencies there are in stable coins issue around algorithmic stable coins cause an issue this summer. And so that information is important so that this can be managed. So once you're in the system, definitely you should have the industry give you clear information. I think also in terms of, you said schools and education, that is a formal way of getting information out there. And I definitely agree with that. At this point, I do see a lot more users getting their information online and through peer-to-peer networks. And so where there are opportunities for us to share information and those networks online, I think the industry should also take the lead on making sure that the information, the material information about their products and services are distributed and disseminated. Finally, Nicole, we've seen the fintech industry undergo a few waves of transformation since the early 2000s, the establishment of digital banking systems, digital marketplaces, digital currency as well. What's next? And I'm sure you're hearing a lot at the Singapore Fintech Festival. What's next and how should we brace ourselves? To your point, I think what's next is you're going to see a evolution and a more maturity in the space. I think we're going to go from this place where there's a lot of experiments to a place where there's more maturity, there's more acumen and technical agility around the products and services, and also you're going to see more adoption over time as the systems are becoming perfected. 
I also think that you're going to see with blockchain technology and the new innovation in that space, they're going to see it deployed across many industries, and we're going to see that in action and see the benefit of having these type of efficiencies in our system. So I think there is just a lot of energy around what the future can be and how we're looking at the present is the path to technology innovation is here. And now it's about making sure that we apply it, we utilize it, and we make we ensure that it's developed in a responsible way to reach its intended goals. Thanks very much for that, Nicole. Nicole Valentine, FinTech Director of the Center for Financial Markets at the Milken Institute. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.